following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome, everybody. Episode 818 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am Jesse Dollamore, your host today, and I'm joined by your other host today, the lovely, talented, and scholarly Brittany Page. So last time we talked about the joy, I think it was last time, the joy of being able to take the metro, how convenient it's been, how we are exploring the city in a different way. And then I had an experience where... I was trying to get on the metro, but the etiquette requires that you allow people to come off of the metro before you get on the metro. Yeah, like an elevator. Yes, people should exit before you attempt to enter. So you clear the way of the doors and you allow everyone who needs to get off to get off. And there was... uh, a scene and people were taking more time than I think they needed. Yeah, that happens a lot. To get off and... Some people just don't give a fuck at all. Yeah, and so what ended up happening is I was so intent on following the rules and and allowing everyone to exit (laughs) that I ended up just missing the The metro. The whole train. Which didn't... (laughs) It didn't hinder me too much because the next train came literally a minute later and I was fine to get on that one. But then I had a moment yesterday where I had to physically move a man off of me. And I think I need to find a balance here of my metro behavior, like between being so meek that I miss my train and I'm like trying to follow the rules and moving human beings off of me. Well, what do you, what was the circumstance surrounding you physically moving someone off you well i mean it was a decently packed train okay and this man was standing in front of me and his back was touching my chest like into my body all up in your and in your stuff there was plenty of room in front of him and so i moved my arm up in front of my chest and pushed his back away from me and said, you have plenty of room, right? And he looked at me, moved forward and didn't say anything. Did he realize that he was, he had to have known that he was resting upon the boobs. I, right. (laughs) I think that that would have been or just, it was, it was just, wildly comfortable air that he was cushioning <laughs> upon. Well, I think the fact that he wasn't like, oh, shit, I'm sorry. Yeah, I wasn't. Ugh. There was no, nothing was said. So it was huh. almost like. Well, it was said by you. Yeah, that's what I mean. He didn't <laughs> say anything to me. Yeah, so yeah. it was, it was a strange moment. But then he tried to block me from leaving the train. And so I had to say something again. I'm like, are you going to move out of the way? And so it was just very contentious. Well, the, when you exited, because I already, obviously, I know what happened. It was, everyone was exiting at that stop. Mm-hmm. He was not exiting, but his arm was blocking the way of everyone who needed to go. Yeah. And you said to him, 
yeah. Are you going to get out of the way? Get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> and he did. He moved after I said that. Again, didn't say anything. I think maybe everyone is on edge or stressed about things. And so they're reacting abnormally in, in public spaces. I don't know. I, I think you're giving a lot of um, charity and fairness to people who are just dickholes mm-hmm. who only think about what's going on in their situation. Yeah. I think that happens a lot where people just are very self-interested. It's like, it's like the California driver of subway riders. Mm-hmm. They don't need to signal. They don't need to get going at a left turn light. They do whatever the fuck they want to do because all that they're thinking about is what is going on with their schedule and their interests at the moment. Yeah. That I think is a fair description. So listen, I guess my advice to you would be don't dial it back. I mean, you don't need to, you don't need to be like, ah, charging in, but you need, your space is your space, even on, on the Metro, even on a subway. Yeah. Well, and like I said, people have told me, they're like, oh, I would be nervous to do something like that because you don't know how people are going to respond. And in the moment I did kind of a, a calculation of what possibly could happen and this is a person who was already touching me i mean if anyone is being aggressive he's being aggressive he's touching me and he's forcing his body against my body when that is not necessary at all we were we were not packed in there like sardines it wasn't like he didn't have a choice but to be all up in my business not an empty train right (laughs) but but certainly not so packed that he needed to be touching you right and like there was another thing that happened with the guy saying stuff to me on the street that apologized to you yeah, <laughs> rather than to me. Yeah. We walked by and I don't know what he was saying. He was you saying, were a few steps ahead. Yeah. And he was saying some things. I don't. Ooh, baby. You know, you know, the cat call bullshit. Yeah. And I just kept walking and then he realized I was with you because you kind of went away for a second and then came back next to me and you were looking at him and he said, oh, is she yours? <laughs> and then was profusely apologizing to me, yeah, not to you, the person he had inflicted his grossness upon. Yeah, so like in that situation, I didn't say anything to him because we were in the middle of the street. It was a busy street. There was a lot going on. It was headed toward nighttime. Yeah. And so there's all kinds of different variables that play into whether or not I'm going to take action on something or I'm just going to let it pass. You know, and unfortunately, I think a lot of women go through their lives making those calculations day to day. Very unfortunate. Is this something I'm going to say something about? Is this something I'm going to take action on? And it's nice to know that there are people like you, Jesse D, out there willing to lend a hand when you see things happening in public that shouldn't be happening to people. (laughs) Yeah, well, then my calculation has to be how amped up do i need to i mean just a month ago or so we were in adams morgan neighborhood here in dc and we walked a woman walked by and then we walked by and this, this group of of older men mm-hmm. certainly in their 50s and he tracked her with this this creepy fuck cra- tracked her with his eyes and then said a bunch of shit to loudly for her to hear to his pals Mm -hmm. and then i loudly for his pals and him to hear 
told him um, something about it being 2022 and to be respectful, but in a a more aggressive way than I just did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, he shut the fuck up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He was very surprised. He was very surprised. And I think that that is, it's also good for men to do the correction you know, yeah, and, and maybe so. it doesn't even need to be aggressive. It doesn't need to be something. Yeah, I struggle with that. Hostile. It can just be even if you are with your bros or whatever <laughs> and someone says something, you can correct that. You can say, them. Yeah, yeah, hey, let's not do that. That's not cool. Whatever. It doesn't need to be like beating someone's ass. Well, that's know? not what that's not what it was for the audience's sake. No, it I'm wasn't not saying even it close was. to that. I'm not saying it was. I'm yeah. saying it doesn't need to be. You could certainly shut something down without there being a threat of violence or physicality or anything. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even step into their space. Yeah. I stepped toward them mm-hmm. to indicate I was serious about what I was saying. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. Uh, there are a lot of. I mean, obviously, you contend with misogyny and um, objectification, being a woman everywhere you go, but. There are certain elements of it that are different when you're in a crowded metropolitan area. Like mm-hmm. when we would go to L.A., it was just different than it was in Orange County. Mm-hmm. And it's the same here in mm-hmm. D.C. Just it's it's a different level. Yeah. yeah. Well, and just like we make the calculation of how we might respond or how we should respond in any given situation. I think some people are out there in public knowing that we're making that calculation and wondering what they can get away with based on the likelihood that someone's going to respond to it. So I think that that's also why it's good to have people willing to do those corrective actions and step in because it, it will help minimize some of these bad behaviors. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Hopefully. And it's a learning progress, a learning process and a work in progress as it were. So Mm -hmm. anyway, welcome to episode 818. A lot has been going on. Uh, we're going to get to it a little later, but Brittany and I have been watching the Alex Jones trial on the live stream on YouTube, <laughs> and who knew that could be so entertaining, Yeah, remarkable, he was getting his ass handed to him, unlike anything I think I've ever seen. It was giving us life force. It was like a fucking TV show was playing out with twists and turns right before our eyes in real fucking time. Couldn't happen to a better person. So so good. Anyway, I'm very eager to talk about it. We'll get to that, though. Before we do, let's get to some listener communication. Before we get to that, I want to drop the phone number, 657-464-7609. And, of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone or just a regular old-fashioned email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Hey, Jesse, Brittany, and Sweepy. It's uh, Daniel from Dallas. Um, I mean, there's something that's been causing me a little bit of cognitive diffidence. Um, I have got a young teenage daughter, not unlike that young lady from West Virginia who talked about Thoreau versus Wade. And there are just some things I cannot keep in my head. Um, my daughter is not allowed to do a lot of stuff. She cannot buy tobacco, alcohol, firearms. Um, she cannot drive. 
Um, she cannot vote. She cannot enlist in the army. Um, she cannot enter into a contract, a legally binding contract. Um, if she goes to sign up for a gym, I've got to sign the thing because she cannot enter the contract. And we have these rules because... A, as a society, we believe she is too young or her brain is not developed enough. And we have a society agreed to this. But then this overturning Roe versus Wade comes along and this young girl who cannot do all of these things, it's all of a sudden fine to give birth and have a baby? I mean, uh, what the hell is going on? It's, uh, she's not old enough to smoke. She's not old enough to drink, but she's old enough to have a baby? Whew. I mean, that shit is fucked up. Sorry if you're going to have to bleed me there, Brittany. Um, do your editing job. I love all of you, including Sweet Pea. Take care. Normally that's Jesse yeah, in my I, ear I telling was, me to do my editing job. I'm going to say the division of labor around this fucking place needs to really be understood by the audience. Um, listen, the point is well taken. Uh, it, it is it is a logical thing that Daniel in Dallas is saying. And two things are happening here. One, the majority of the American people recognize this fucking madness as evidenced by the vote in, in, in Kansas yesterday, where their constitutional amendment, which would make it possible, easier to illegalize abortion, outright in the state of Kansas, failed miserably. Mm -hmm. Double digit by like 40 points or some shit, like a lot. It, the, the, the percentage was crazy. I'm, I'm assuming you're pulling that up while I'm talking. Um, and I don't know that that's going to dissuade um, Republicans. They're so committed to the prospect, to the proposition of, of regression related to this issue that they're going to they're going to forge ahead much to their own peril just like they forged ahead with Donald Trump they're going to do the same here and it's going to it's going to fuck them mhm mm well i think we're we're going to get to the Kansas stuff in a bit so uh, right. we're not going to spoil it just yet but i did see something about georgia in georgia now fetuses have full legal recognition as living people did oh. you see this so this means that their parents can claim them as dependents on their tax returns even before they deliver the baby. Yeah. So <laughs> this is the the state's Department of Revenue said that it would begin recognizing, quote, any unborn child with a detectable human heartbeat as eligible for the Georgia individual tax dependent exemption amounting to $3,000. So this is according to reporting from Washington Post. Again, I don't think this is a good thing. So, no, of course it's not, but th there are all kinds of, of ramifications and questions that come along with it. Does does that mean their birth date is actually their date of conception? Mm -hmm. 
So when you're when you're born, when you when you enter the world, are you nine months old, ten months old? How does how does that work? Mm-hmm. It's again fuckery and nonsense, and the American people are hip to it. The vast majority of the American people are hip to it. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Daniel. We appreciate it very much. Uh, moving on. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. This is Cami from San Francisco, and I'm just checking in today because I listened to episode 817 um, and uh, taking care of Biz with Addison today, which was pretty awesome to hear. Um, but I just wanted to kind of give a nudge to elevate this young woman. She's been amazing all week long. Her name is Olivia Juliana. And Jesse, you did an episode of your um, YouTube channel um, about her and the whole back and forth she was having with Matt Gates all week long since that awful Turning Point USA weekend fiasco fuckery um but she this kid she's like 19 she's a loud and proud queer chicana she's turned hate into healthcare, and from his bullying her and body shaming her i mean maybe you've heard about it now she's raised over two million dollars for abortion funds and it's just mind-blowing what she's been able to do in the course of a single week, just springboarding from the hatred that he spewed at her. Um, it would be awesome to see her elevated because she's this kid is someone to watch. I'm really proud of her. I can't say enough about how voices of color often get erased in all the activism that goes on in this country, always it's been an issue and she needs to be up there. It was great to hear about Addison, but it would be amazing to hear about Olivia and what she was able to do this whole week. And she's proud of what happened. She's so mature and she's so intelligent and skilled and she's catalyzed so many people to get up and she's trying to get folks to vote. She's, just amazing. I can't say enough, but I'm really proud of this kid. So please elevate her if you can. And God only knows what this week ahead is going to look like because she's got over $2 million as of today, Saturday. Um, it's been incredible watching her fundraise like this. And so many organizations are going to be able to use these funds to help people get abortion care that they deserve. Please elevate her. She's a great kid. Take care, and both of you are the best part. Take care. Bye-bye. Awesome, Cami. We totally agree. We had several people actually write in about Olivia Juliana. And you, Jesse, I think you did cover her activism. Or No, it wasn't activism at that point yet. She That's had right. only been bullied by Matt Gates. It was just the day after his tweet. And you talked about the situation, and I believe you even chose to blur her face because you weren't aware yet or or wasn't happening yet that she was going to channel this into activism and raise over $2 million for abortion. Yeah. I I said that she didn't ask for any of this attention Mm -hmm. and um, I just had her face blurred in the photo of his tweet Mm -hmm. and uh, much to my delight, (laughs) she (laughs) fucking turned it around and has turned it into an activist moment. And as, as Cammy's saying, 
raised millions of dollars inside of just a few days for abortion funds and goddamn absolutely have to give it up to her it's so great yeah i mean to get bullied by a congressman yeah. especially matt gates the, yeah. the one of the worst credibly accused child predator yeah and really lean into it. I mean, I, I'm sure she was getting attacked from the worst of the worst oh, yeah. online that are, are fans of Matt Gates, And to stand up to that and and use her platform for good to raise money that's going to help people get the health care they need. So important. So definitely Olivia Juliana, like Cami said, make sure you check her out, support her work, and I'm sure we're going to continue to see good things from her. So we look forward to that. Yeah, she's all over Twitter, all over TikTok. She's uh, she's blown up. It's yeah. really, really great. Uh, thanks, Cami, for the call. We appreciate it very much. Uh, moving on. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. This is John from Kansas. It's 6 o'clock in the morning. I was just on my way to work, and NPR reported that we, that we won, that we were able to defeat the, um, the amendment to the Kansas Constitution that prohibits uh, abortion. So, holy shit, maybe there is hope. Um, I know I've been pretty pessimistic about this. You guys have helped me keep the faith, as it were. Um, I, I did actually go out and get involved and became committee man for the, the county that I live in, for Stephen Crash, and, and went and Posted signs and man the booth and all that shit and I, I, I'm not naive enough to think that my contribution made the difference, but uh, but I'm glad to see that enough people got involved that, that it actually we actually got something done. So thank you guys for what you do and for keeping me motivated to uh, do what do what I did and, and everybody else that was able to, to get it done. So thank you guys. That's all I wanted. Bye. Let me say one thing, John. Um, do not diminish the effort that you put in, mm-hmm. and to say that, that you made that you didn't make the difference. Well, maybe, I don't know what even the fuck that means. You didn't make the difference. You made a difference because if your single contribution doesn't help, then no one else's single comp- contribution helps either, and. That is not the message that needs to be communicated at all. One, because it's not fucking true. And two, because we will discourage others from doing their small part. Because one small part added with another small part, added with 10,000 other small parts, is a giant avalanche of support that is going to crush the adversary. And in this in this case, the adversary is fascism and regression back to pre-1973 America. Yeah, well, I <laughs> I love when Jesse gets fired up like that. I think that... <laughs> was that too much? You said it best, definitely. I wouldn't attack John as much no, as you I are right now. I wasn't attacking John. Yeah, Thanks to John. I know, I know, I know. John, listen... We work, we work overtime on this show passionately trying to convince people to organize and get organized and get out there and take a role in their local party politics. It's thank you so fucking much, John. You did the work. Don't diminish your contribution to the effort. Fucking good for you. Good for you. Yes. And fuck you, John. I'm really mad. And, and also, <laughs> thank you for saying that we have been helpful in that process. That's very kind. But like Jesse is saying, it really is all of the people who decided to take action in Kansas. The reason that this happened 
is because people were knocking on doors, is because people put up signs, is because they talked to their family and friends and said, are you registered to vote? How are you voting on this amendment? Yeah. This is what this amendment is going to do. There was a lot of shady bullshit that was being pulled by anti-abortion activists in Kansas, trying to make it confusing for people who support abortion. They were sending out text messages. This was on Twitter. I don't I don't know how reputable it is, I guess, because it is anecdotal on Twitter. It wasn't an official news report. It was report. a screenshot of a text message exchange. Sure. And they were using shady tactics, making things confusing, saying that if you are supporting abortion, you should vote this way. And it was actually the opposite way that you should be voting. Yeah. Mass text. So it, it it is concerning, but people like John doing what was necessary to make this happen. I mean, definitely take credit for that. And we should just get into what happened in Kansas. This was known for being the first referendum on Roe being overturned. Yeah. Do Americans support it? In Kansas. <laughs> yeah, Kansas. Not San Francisco. This is the state of Kansas. Right. And Home of fucking Bob Dole. <laughs> so on, on this ballot measure, the no vote is essentially a pro-abortion vote. And the no vote, as it stands right now, 97% of the votes are counted. Almost 97% of the votes. 534,134 votes. That's 58.8% yeah. of the vote. Nearly 60%. The yes, so the anti-choice option, 374,611. That's 41.2%. So it's 58.8% to 41.2%. In Kansas. Yeah. I mean, it's it's nearly a, I said 40 points because it's, for me, it's so astounding. This, this, this gulf of difference in, in the, in the vote tally that's, it's almost 20%. Well, and let's put the number of people that came out to vote in context here. So on this amendment, you have over 900,000 votes and last night, the no vote had more votes than the entire turnout in 2014. Last night. So before yeah. even all the votes were counted. Just the no vote. Right. Just the no vote. And then in the 2018 primary in Kansas, they had 468,000 votes. Total. Total. And almost 910,000 votes in on this proposition. Right. And in the 2016 presidential election in Kansas, you had 1.2 million votes. So this is almost like... A presidential, a presidential election, election yeah. year that yeah. people came out and said, no, we're going to show up and we're going to say that what's happening in this country is not okay. Yeah. And if you look at this and you, if we extrapolate this out and it, it, it's tough because it is only one state, which is largely white. I mean, it, it's demographically not the same as the, the, the width and breadth of the United States. It's different, mm -hmm. but... It tells you where white people are voting. Milk toast, regular, middle of the road, middle of the country white people, flyover country white people mm -hmm. are voting. That should tell you how fired up people are going to be across the country when you start mixing in the other demographics of voting where black women who have carried this country for so long into progress, where they're going to be, where the Latino population is going to be, where all the other disparate elements of America that make America, America, mm -hmm. this is going to be an overwhelming referendum. And it could carry us through in the midterms to, to gain more seats in the Senate, 
keep the House and maybe gain, I think the Republicans have mis- miscalculated in this culture war um, very, very drastically. Yes, absolutely. So there are other results of the primary elections, notable results in Arizona. First, I want to say that Representative Rashida Tlaib won. Yeah. Uh, she was being challenged by more centrist Democrats, and she won. Cory Bush also one fantastic another progressive right the progressives had some centrist challengers but they came through so that's really important but let's get into some more of the takeaways from the primary on tuesday in conservative kansas this morning a political earthquake and a big win for abortion rights supporters kansas voters rejecting an amendment that would have removed abortion protections from the state constitution in effect keeping access to the procedure there so grateful and just overjoyed that we did what kansas needed us to do President Biden overnight saying the vote makes clear what we know. The majority of Americans agree that women should have access to abortion. It's the first time abortion has been on the ballot since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. The result in Kansas, suggesting the court's decision is galvanizing abortion rights supporters. Less than 100 days until the midterm elections. I hope we inspire other states when they get the opportunity to vote to really think about a woman's choice. Tuesday's primaries, also a critical test of former President Trump's grip on the GOP. And for now, it still appears strong. In Arizona, the scales tipping for him and candidates who have questioned the legitimate results of the 2020 election. NBC News projecting Mr. Trump's preferred candidate, Blake Masters, winning the Republican Senate nomination. And in the GOP primary for governor, Carrie Lake, whom the former president prefers, pulling ahead against her opponent, Karen Taylor Robeson. We know how our election systems work and they Lake, a former TV host, has amplified Mr. Trump's lies about a stolen election in 2020 while claiming without evidence her primary race is rigged. Question by NBC's Vaughn Hilliard. So you know about a crime and yet you're not reporting it to authorities. Robeson, endorsed by former Vice President Mike Pence, says Lake is unfit to hold office. The voters of Arizona deserve better for, for a candidate to come out and say there's been fraud before a vote has even been cast is crazy. It is disqualifying. And she she simply isn't fit for the job. And Rusty Bowers, star witness of the January 6th hearings and the Republican Speaker of the Arizona House, projected to lose his primary just weeks after testifying. In Michigan, GOP Congressman Peter Meyer, who voted to impeach Mr. Trump over the January 6th insurrection, conceded overnight to his Trump-backed opponent, John Gibbs. Trump-endorsed conservative commentator Tudor Dixon has emerged as the GOP nominee for governor, facing an uphill battle against incumbent Democrat Gretchen Whitmer. But our work isn't finished. My friends, we are just getting started. And I hear it's going to be a rough ride. And in Missouri's Senate GOP primary, where it was Eric versus Eric, Attorney General Eric Schmidt defeating former Governor Eric Reitens. You guys ready to take this country back? All right, Hallie, let's go back to that victory for abortion rights in Kansas. So that result surprised a lot of folks. What does that mean for the midterms that are just a couple of months away? So a couple of things here, Hoda. First, got to look at the turnout here. It was big, right? 900,000 people voted here, nearly double the number of people who voted back in the 2018 primaries. And when you dig into the numbers, when you, when you really get into it, there's a suggestion that a sizable number of Republicans voted for protecting the current abortion access in Kansas. You can see that in the drop-off 
off of how many Republicans voted in the Kansas primary races versus on this abortion measure. So, yes, big picture, right? When you ask about what are the takeaways here for the midterms, it does suggest that abortion rights post Roe is a motivating factor for voters. It is a remarkable place that we find ourselves in this country that so many Republican candidates are openly questioning the integrity of elections and people are coming out to vote for them in large numbers. Yeah. I mean, the New York Times hasn't called the Republican primary race for governor in Arizona. Carrie Lake and Karen Robeson are pretty close, 46 to 44. That's 80% of the vote has been counted. But I mean, to come out and say that things are rigged and that you can't trust the elections, why well, what would is anyone she want to vote for you? What is she going to say if she wins? Right. I mean, isn't it a little preemptive to be saying that there's something wrong with the election? Yeah. Wouldn't that deflate the support behind you? People well, wouldn't want to vote? It's the exact same quandary that the Republican Party had with Donald Trump when the party was like, hey, stop trying to dissuade people from, from mail-in voting mm -hmm. because look what happened. Right. <laughs> and they don't care. They don't care. Mm -hmm. They don't care about democracy. They don't care about the um, faith in the institution. They, they don't fucking care. Yeah. Now let's not lose sight of the fact that good things happened. I mean, what happened with the abortion amendment in Kansas is a huge win. And I, I liked what John said. And I also like that John called early in the morning, was thinking about the activism that he engaged with in, in Kansas that helped make this a win. And it, it is, it's something that we should all celebrate and be happy for because there are so few wins right now that yeah. I think it is nice to buoy our spirits a little bit. Sure. Well, also, I think it should communicate to you out there if you're driving in your car, on a train, on a bus, in your job, at your cubicle, whatever, thinking about, oh, wow, what can I do mm -hmm. to get involved? Oh, absolutely. That really should be the, the resounding message that's ringing in your ear and itching in the, in the back of your, of, of your head of, oh, shit, I need to get involved, too, because... It does make a difference. Yeah. So we've been talking about the Idaho abortion law that's getting ready to go into effect later in August, and the Justice Department just announced a lawsuit challenging that Idaho abortion law. Today, the Justice Department filed a lawsuit against the state of Idaho. The suit seeks to hold invalid the state's criminal prohibition on providing abortions as applied to women who are suffering medical emergencies. Under a federal law known as the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act, or EMTALA, every hospital that receives Medicare funds must provide necessary stabilizing treatment to a patient who arrives at an emergency room suffering from a medical condition that could place their life or health in serious jeopardy. In some circumstances, the medical treatment necessary to stabilize the patient's condition is abortion. This may be the case, for example, when a woman is undergoing a miscarriage that threatens septic infection or hemorrhage or is suffering from severe preeclampsia. When a hospital determines that an abortion is the medical treatment necessary to stabilize a patient's emergency medical condition, it is required by federal law to provide that treatment. As detailed in our complaint, 
Idaho's law would make it a criminal offense for doctors to provide the emergency medical treatment that federal law requires. Although the Idaho law provides an exception to prevent the death of a pregnant woman, it includes no exception for cases in which the abortion is necessary to prevent serious jeopardy to the woman's health. Moreover, it would subject doctors to arrest and criminal prosecution even if they performed an abortion to save a woman's life, and it would then place the burden on the doctors to prove that they are not criminally liable. The United States therefore seeks a declaratory judgment that Idaho's law violates the supremacy clause of the United States Constitution and is preempted by federal law to the extent it is in conflict with EMTALA. The United States also seeks an injunction prohibiting Idaho from enforcing its law against healthcare providers who provide the emergency treatment required by EMTALA. In the days since the Dobbs decision, there have been widespread reports of delays and denials of treatment to pregnant women experiencing medical emergencies. Today, the Justice Department's message is clear. It does not matter what state a hospital subject to EMTALA operates in. If a patient comes into the emergency room with a medical emergency, jeopardizing the patient's life or health, the hospital must provide the treatment necessary to stabilize that patient. This includes abortion when that is the necessary treatment. Any state law that prevents a hospital from fulfilling its obligation under EMTALA violates federal law. And this was priority enough for the federal government. You might not recognize the voice. You may recognize the voice, but that was Merrick Garland himself making the announcement. That's a that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. It shows the priorities of the Biden administration. And also, there could be more lawsuits to come because Idaho is not alone right. in having an abortion law that does not make exceptions for the life or health of the pregnant person. So... The the main thing here is that the new Idaho law violates the federal requirement to provide medical care when a person's life or health is at stake. But also, you heard Merrick Garland talk about the part of this Idaho law that allows doctors to be criminally prosecuted for providing abortions. Not all states have that, but Idaho does. Yeah. Doctors can be criminally prosecuted for providing abortions. Not civilly like in Texas, criminally prosecuted by the state of Idaho. Right. Just fucking gross. Yeah. So at least at least the federal government is on the case, bringing lawsuits. Hopefully they can get an injunction on the law, get it stopped, get it paused uh, while the lawsuit w- worked its way through the courts and hopefully uh, not up to the Supreme Court of the United States. Right. So now I've, I know you've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> I know <laughs> this has been something that has, again, given you life force today. It has given your life meaning. It has re-energized eaten. you. Listen, it's 3.34 p.m. I haven't eaten anything. You were like, maybe we should eat before we do the show. And I'm like, nope. I feel great. <laughs> Let's get in there and do the show I want to talk about this Alex Jones thing. Oh, boy. Alex Jones. Is he in a world of hurt I, right I now? I wish I had a train sound 
<laughs> because it was a fucking train wreck in that courtroom today. Yeah. Unfucking believable. He's already been found liable in the case. So now it's just the sentencing phase. Like, what, what's it going to be charged? How much money is he going to have to pay? Mm-hmm. And uh, things really went off the rails. Let's let's start with when things, because you were talking about, you were describing this as like watching a movie or like watching a TV show. And let's really get into that because what happened today is the lawyers for the Sandy Hook parents revealed while Alex Jones was on the stand for the first time that Alex Jones's lawyers... His own lawyers. ...had accidentally sent the Sandy Hook parents' lawyers all of Alex Jones's hidden financials, the contents of his phone, digital content, his text messages, emails. Yes. The contents of his phone on accident. And they waited to reveal this so that Alex Jones could be lying about things during the trial. And then while he was on the stand, they revealed that this had happened. (laughs) So you did get my text messages. And said you didn't. Nice trick. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Mr. Jones. Indeed. You didn't give this text message to me. You don't don't know where this came from. Do you know where I got this? No. Mr. Jones, did you know that 12 days ago, 12 days ago, your attorneys messed up and sent me an entire digital copy of your entire cell phone with every text message you've sent for the past two years and when informed, did not take any steps to identify it as privileged or protect it in any way. And as of two days ago, it fell free and clear into my possession. And that is how I know you lied to me when you said you didn't have text messages about Sandy Hook. Did you know that? I See, I told you the truth. This is your Perry Mason moment. I gave them my phone. and then, Mr. Jones, you need to answer the question. No, I, Do you know I, this happened? No, I don't know this happened. But I mean, I told you I gave him the phone over. And just, you know. that just and you, said, the question. you said in your deposition, you searched your phone. You said you pulled down the text, did the search function for Sandy Hook. That's what you said, Mr. Jones, correct? And I had several several different phones with this number, but I did, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, huh? I mean, that's why you got it. No, Mr. Jones, that's not why I have My lawyer sent it to you, but I'm hiding it. Okay. Mr. Jones? Mr. Jones, that's... Just answer questions. There's no question. Mr. Bankson also only asked questions. Sure. Mr. Jones, in discovery, you were asked, do you have Sandy Hook text messages on your phone? And you said no. Correct? You said that under oath, Mr. Jones, didn't you? I mean, I was mistaken. I was mistaken. But you, you got the messages right there. You know what perjury is, right? I just want to make sure you know before we go any further. You know what it is. Yes, I do. I mean, I'm not a tech guy. I told you I gave, in my testimony, the phone to the lawyers before or whatever, and, and so you got my phone, but we didn't give it to you. No, Mr. Jones. One more time. And please remember, if you need to assert the Fifth Amendment, you can. I need to know that you can do that. But you testify. I'm not a tech guy. I had multiple phones. Oh, my lawyers gave it to you, but I'm withholding it. Right. Wow. He was trying for any excuse he could there. It 
Well, one, it doesn't look good on multiple fronts. One, because he did lie. Mm-hmm. He, he perjured himself. Listen, if they don't go after perjury for this, then perjury's not a fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Secondly, if you heard... If you heard the lawyer explain, Alex Jones' lawyers sent him a bunch of different stuff up to and including every single text message Alex Jones has sent and received for the past two years. So that also means he's opened up to now criminal investigative processes for his involvement with the insurrection and everything leading up to January 6th. Because he was, he's thick as thieves with Roger Stone and the rest of these idiots. And all of this is going to be very interesting to the Department of Justice as well. Well, one of the things Alec Jones, Alex Jones is concerned about is how much money he's going to have to pay yeah. the Sandy Hook parents. And that was one of the benefits of his lawyers accidentally giving all of this information to the opposing counsel. What a bunch of idiots. <laughs> and what came out of that is that we learned in some days in 2018 that InfoWars was making $800,000 a day. Yeah. A day. Uh, at the end of the trial, at the end of the hearings today, when Alex Jones was still on the stand, they, they, they were asking questions from jurors. And one of the questions was, how much money, how much revenue does your company typically earn in a year? Mm-hmm. And he landed on $70 million. Who knows if he's fucking lying? I mean, if he's lying, he's under underselling how much they how much revenue they earn right but 70 million dollars from his goofy vitamins and prepper buckets of food and shit yeah well and not only does this implicate alex jones and being a terrible person which we already knew but it also implicates the how many americans that have propped him up that have watched his shows that have purchased his sponsored content that his prepackaged meals and his yeah, I mean, it's, supplements. It's certainly a lot, but if you remember, there was a segment of of emails they were reading where he was saying, oh, $110,000 worth of food buckets we sold. That means $70,000 worth of profit. Mm-hmm. So it's probably fewer cus- customers than the audience might think just because of their profit margins were so sinfully high. I mean, just egregiously high, unethically high. <laughs> are, are you really concerned about me maligning the audience of InfoWars? You're like, Brittany, hang on. We don't want to malign the audience consuming Alex Jones's content and purchasing his products. Let's no, explain maybe, that. Well, maybe it, maybe maybe my problem is that I don't want everybody to think he has as large of like so such a large audience that's giving him seventy million. But yeah, you're right. I'm fucking totally wrong. So another. Interesting thing that happened was Alex Jones was asked if InfoWars has been suggesting that the judge is tied to pedophiles in child protective services. The judge that was overseeing his trial. Sitting right next to him. Correct. And then he said no. And then the Sandy Hook parents lawyer showed a clip that that is exactly what they're saying on InfoWars. Yeah, just within days. And it actually contained an animation of the judge on fire. And yeah. Alex Jones said that the judge is the fire burning Lady Liberty. The judge is consuming freedom. That's how he clarified what wow. was happening 
in this video. Yeah. He also, for some reason, on his show has been attacking the jurors. He called the jurors blue collar and said that they are people who, quote, don't know what planet they are on. Yeah. And he was also asked about this. I, I'm not sure why he would be attacking the judge and the jury when he's so concerned about how much money he's going to have to pay in this situation. He's a strangely prideful dude because like even when Marjorie Taylor Greene was on during that hearing about whether she was going to be allowed to stay on the ballot, she kept to the script as best she could. I don't recall. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. He just can't help himself but open his fucking suck and talk. Yes. So... Now, a more emotional thing happened yesterday during the Alex Jones trial, and this was actually when one of the parents who lost her son directly confronted Alex Jones while she was testifying. My son existed. My son existed, says Scarlett Lewis, the mother of six-year-old Jesse Lewis, speaking directly to conspiracy theorist Alex Jones in an Austin, Texas courtroom. Jesse was real. I am a real mom. In an utterly unthinkable sign of our times, Scarlett Lewis makes the case that she and her dead child are real, directly to Jones. It doesn't exist that I'm deep state. It's just not true. I know you know that. That's the problem. I know you know that. And you keep saying it. You keep saying it. Why? Why? For money? Because you've made a lot of money while you've said it. I know you're... I mean... I know you believe me. And yet you're going to get... You're going to leave this courthouse and you're going to say it again on your show. You're saying no. You just did it. On his show today, today, he raised questions about both Scarlett Lewis and the boy's father, who are seeking up to $150 million in damages. He is um, being manipulated by some very bad people. But I'll just say, as i got to be honest, he's slow, okay? And his ex-wife is not. The man Jones is calling slow and manipulated, Jesse Lewis's father, Neil Heslin. I was blessed with him for six and a half years. He's been gone one and a half times. And, uh, but I cherish those days. In all, families of seven victims and one FBI agent have successfully sued Alex Jones for defamation in three different trials taking place in both Texas and Connecticut. Jones testified he was simply trying to get answers to questions that others were asking. I never intentionally tried to hurt you. I never even said your name until this case came to court. Uh, I didn't even really know who you were until a couple years ago when all this started up. The internet had a lot of questions. I had questions. Based on a separate legal filing, families of Sandy Hook victims allege Jones is using bankruptcy laws to shield tens of millions of dollars from any possible liability. Miguel Marquez, CNN, New York. I don't know how anyone can support this person after this. I mean, 
things were pretty clear about what a terrible person he was before this. He's a vicious human being. But it's it's even more clear now. I mean, you have Scarlett Lewis, the mother of Jesse Lewis, who was killed in the Sandy Hook shooting, speaking directly to Alex Jones. And apparently this was an uncomfortable moment in the courtroom because she said specifically to him, Alex, I want you to hear this. And made him look at her and listen to her as she said this. Yeah. And while Alex Jones is saying, I believe you, he's he's affirming what she's saying to him, he's then going on his show and attacking her ex-husband, saying that he's slow and mm-hmm. that he's being manipulated by people. I mean, he's he's giving commentary on the court case on his show as it's happening, and he's still shit-talking the Sandy Hook parents. That's that's the reality of what's happening here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when he's called to directly address that in court, he acts like a different person. Like, what happens on his show isn't real or doesn't have real-world ramifications. Yeah, it's shameless. The father of, of Jesse Lewis, who you heard getting choked up, talking about how he was real and he had six and a half years with him, Someone fired a gun in his house. This spring, someone drove by his house and yelled Alex Jones and he heard gunfire. This isn't something that happened years ago when Sandy Hook happened. It's still happening years later. These people are still after the Sandy Hook parents. And Alex Jones is still creating that drama because he's still talking about it and he's using this court case to continue the drama and if not for alex jones and his 70 million dollar a year revenue generating program these issues would not exist they just simply wouldn't be if there had been the the wackos and the conspiracy theory nut jobs it would have been a flash in the pan and then it would have been over but because donald because alex jones (laughs) (laughs) friend of donald trump yeah but because alex jones gave it oxygen and gave it airtime we are where we are and these families have been harassed they've been put in danger they've been had they've had to move tens of times some of these families so i have zero sympathy for him i hope they bury him financially i hope he has to be a walmart greeter for the rest of his fucking miserable life I also will say that Scarlett Lewis gave Alex Jones a bottle of water after this exchange happened while she was testifying because he had been struggling with a cough, which he Mm -hmm. continued to struggle with. I mean, selectively during certain points of his testimony. It wasn't the whole time. (laughs) It got pretty bad. He's like, I I know you think this is fake, but this is the real deal. Alex Jones. It would get more intense, surprisingly, when he needed to read the text messages that he didn't know the Sandy Hook lawyers had or when he needed to read an email. You got the the text messages? (laughs) (laughs) I know it's real. It's real. (laughs) God damn. Honestly, couldn't happen to a better guy. I'm <laughs> without a doubt, without a doubt. So we would love to know if you've been following this, what you think about this. What are your moments that your favorites that you've picked out uh, or the most impactful? We'd love to know. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We are going to leave you there. We love you guys. We appreciate you so much. Man, what we <laughs> we we were talking the other day about uh, the community that is built up around the show and some of the actual friendships that we've made that have come out of this show, and it is meaningful to us. 
We are a listener-produced, listener-supported show. If you're on the fence or you have been, but you're really ready to consider supporting us and helping produce what we do, we'd love to have you on the team in the Patreon family. You can go to patreon.com slash Podcast and check it out there. See what tier you'd like to be in and get your, what do we call it the other day? Welcome package. Exactly. Or some, whatever we called it. Anyway, uh, we'd love to have you help support the show. We love you guys. We'll see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt.